This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 74 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm Ben as ever and I'm joined by Gary. Are you well? Yes, I am well as always. Um, actually, yes. I, I say that we had a little bit of a dodgy Italian in Louth on Sunday night, and that's had some repercussions through the week. But um, we're probably getting there now. I was going to say, is that uh, is it the kind of repercussions that we want to talk about? No, 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 or? we don't want to talk about. All I all I would say is that our experience of uh, Montebello's, I think it's called in uh, Louth, was not entirely positive. Okay. Sorry. No, that's fair enough. But, but we don't um, want to disappoint Pete Summers by talking about other things, do we? No, no, absolutely not. We've got to talk about football all the time because that's all anybody, anybody ever wants to hear from us. Although, interestingly enough, from the Crimean War until 1916, all British shoulders <laughs> were required to sport moustaches. <laughs> wow. There that's, we go. Gary, Gary has a... He, while he was waiting for me, he told me he found a... Geek's Guide to Britain quiz or something, yeah, is it? That's one of four fascinating fun facts that you're going to have delivered to you uh, direct from a Geek's Guide to Being British that I think my mum gave me at Christmas. There you go. So um, just as a, a quick one for those of you that are massive fans of it, although I imagine that will probably upset nobody, um, we are not going to do the Celebrity Ages this week because I think it's probably run its course. Or um, or because Ben hasn't prepared and I have. One of the two. I, you, I'll let you decide which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- there is definitely no element of truth in that whatsoever Gary. excellent then who was who were you going to use as your celebrity age this week ben it was jennifer lopez given that she is in the news oh you have pulled that one right out of the bag instinctively well done sir <laughs> anyway right let's uh let's get on to i mean i'd prefer to talk about jennifer lopez than than the game if i'm honest because we said we're very briefly going to touch on um on on Saturday because uh, it wasn't good, was it? No, it was absolutely horrible, wasn't it? Um, yeah, horrible result, horrible game. Um, interestingly, uh, people who say XG is a load of crap, uh, RXG was zero point seven one, and theirs was one point five seven. So two one was was absolutely the right result based on XG. Um, we had six shots, four on target, so we were actually slightly more accurate. But they had twenty shots. Seven yeah. on target. I mean, this is a side that were put together from um, youth team players. I think their goalkeepers moved on. You know, we took Tom Hopper from them, their supposed um, top striker. And, you know, at the end of the game, I don't think there would be anybody that could clearly have defined which side was top, uh, which side was bottom rather, and which side was mid table in, in that game. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed to be, it just seemed to be like a, a bit of a laboured performance. I don't think there was anything... Well, I think Joe Morrell summed it up best in his post-match when he said that, you know, one team played like they wanted to to win it like the FA Cup final. One team played it like it was a, a kickabout in the park. It was uh, 
it was just a really flat performance, and it's it's kind of the third one of those on the bounce. I don't know if it's a case mm. of people needing to to click or whatever. It's just it really wasn't enjoyable to watch. Um, two two on the bounce. I'm I'm not having uh, the Ipswich defeat when we went away to Ipswich. I'm not having that as as much as as much of a flat performance. I don't think. Mm. Um, I think Ipswich, you know, were. were they dampened the game down as much as anything. I mean, they made 518 passes in that game, and mm. Southend and Portsmouth were both uh, <laughs> 366 and 340 respectively. So Ipswich played their part in in that game being incredibly dour. Um, again, mm. just for those who don't rate XG, uh, the XG in that game showed 0.94 for Ipswich and 0.47 for us. So again, the game went according to the XG. Not that I've got a bee in my bonnet about it. <laughs> um, do you know what's really frustrating though? And, and as you might have realised, I've I've been looking at some numbers over uh, over the course of the afternoon. And what really bothers me is that there's some elements of our game that we're actually doing well over the last, we'll say, four games. Um, but and that's winning the ball. And that's mm. why it's frustrating because we're winning the ball better than our opponents. For instance, if there was 218 challenges in the game on uh, on Saturday against Southend, we won 117 and they won 93. So we took around 54% of the of the challenges against Portsmouth. Same again, 271 challenges. We won 146. They won 119. So we won 54% again. Blackpool, when we won 1-0, 230 challenges. We took 126, they took 99. So it's a 55% win in the challenges. So despite this, you know, you're talking, well, people are talking about it being a young, inexperienced side. And what you think in the in the context of League One is, you know, oh, were they up to the physicality of it? That's where the big question is. And in actual fact, it's that side of the game that we're getting uh, we're getting right. But our pass accuracy, I mean, again, Southend, it was, in my opinion, it, it was poor on 69%. Um, against Ipswich, it was 66%. And you go back to the Blackpool game, 75%. So our passing is well off. And, you know, we're winning the ball, but we weren't doing half as much with it. We had more possession than Southend. But it was aimless. It was, you know, it was seamless. But I think there's enough positivity in the numbers to suggest that, like you, uh, like like Joe Morrell said, when they realise they're not playing on the park with their mates, um, you know, we're not we're not far away. We're still doing some of the essential basics right. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it, it's when you look at those numbers, like you say, the, the the pass accuracy and stuff like that. Part of me just wonders. And it's it is a little bit facetious when I say it, but you know how many of those are the ones that are coming out the back from Jason Shackle that find it that you know find the feet of an opposing player straight away. You know it's it's a it's a difficult one because it's um, I I think there's a lot of people that are still saying you know, that they have they have the trust they have the faith um they they're gonna keep it you know keep their expectations tempered because obviously a lot of people have had to adjust their expectations and. Um, as to where you know where we're going to finish this season. I mean, let's not forget we're still 15 points clear of of Tranmere. Um, we have two are. Games in hand. I mean, even then, if they win those, which given the current, I was going to say they won't. <laughs> you know, given the current form, they won't. Even if they win them, then we'll still be nine points clear. Yeah, if, you know, we're we're clear of the bottom. We are going to finish. In my opinion, we will finish above MK Dons and Tranmere. Um, who, if you'd have said to me at the start of the season, you'll finish above the guys that came up with you, I'd be more than happy with that. It's interesting. MK Dons, I think, are going to have an upturn. They've got Reese Healy back, and he's just started firing again. And if you look at Reese Healy, when he's played from, they've done well, and when he hasn't played from, they've done badly. Um, but just to go back and address your pass accuracy from Jason Shackle, interestingly enough, um, he made 46 passes against Southend, and 32 of them were accurate, so that's 70%. Against Portsmouth, 66 passes, 54 accurate, which is 82%. Uh, and against Ipswich, 29 passes, 23 were accurate, which is 79%. And you can keep going down, 74, 83, 76, 78, 82 against Burton when we went away. Hmm. I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd, I was being facetious with it, you know what I mean. Well, no, it's, so, a, it's you know, when we have these amazing statistics, uh, and I use amazing in inverted commas because I know people will criticise me for them, um, but when we have these statistics to hand, it's worth using them. Max Melbourne, for instance, probably a little, we could be a little bit more critical of 61% accuracy against South End, 44 attempted, 27 landed, and 62 mm. against Ipswich. 
But then you look mm. at Blackpool and he was 79% and you look at Portsmouth, a performance which he took stick for, and he was at 79% again. Mm. So, yeah, you know, I, think... I, I don't even think it's particularly the accuracy coming out from the back. Do you know what? I think that gets the attention because you put a, you misplace a pass um, at back and it's yeah. squeaky bum time. George Grant yeah. misplaces a pass going forward, and there's still plenty of uh, plenty of opportunity to to correct that. Um, I mean, the Neil Erdley people might criticise, rightly so, against Ipswich and Portsmouth, fifty six and fifty seven percent accuracy, which was woeful, worst probably of the back four. But um, against Southend, he was eighty seven percent accuracy as well. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's just. It's one of those performances that you can't really you can't really pinpoint what went wrong, but we know it wasn't great. We know it wasn't. It, we know that things went wrong, and we know that they're working. To, <clears throat> excuse me. We know that they're working to address it. As I said, Joe Morell in his post match was brutally honest. I think Michael Appleton was brutally honest in his post match as well. And I think at that point you say, right, okay, they're going to work on it. So let's see what happens on Friday. Now, um, do we want? Is there anything we want to cover before we look towards Friday? No, or no, not, not no? any more from the weekend. I don't think. No, that's fine. I didn't know if we wanted to, to touch on any of the signings that we've not spoken about on the podcast yet. Oh, go on then. I forgot all about those. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously we, we signed um, uh, Akeem Hines, who was previously at Rotherham, I do believe. Played against us in the EFL Trophy. Yeah, there you go. So um, that was that was one of those that the club seemed to make a bit more of a big deal about it than than some may, may say it warranted. Um, How do you mean? Kind of the, sorry? How do you mean? It, it seemed to be like, you know, the teaser image on Twitter and everything else. I was a bit like, okay. And then it it was a bit like, is that is that a face we should know? And then it was like sort of Googling, trying to find, you know, images of people that looked a bit similar. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and be, and be harsh and be critical, but it, it was just one of those where you think, Oh, okay, right, cool. It's someone that's probably going to come in as cover. Um, cool. And then um, we signed the lad from Spurs, whose name currently escapes me. Timothy Aoma. There you go. Um, and that looks to be a decent signing. Um, you know, again, some some cover for the for the centre backs. Where it's it's been an area that we've been a bit concerned about. Um, and then later on in the week. Uh, we've obviously signed uh, Liam Bridcut on loan, which to me that's a that's a fantastic loan. Um, I think he's gonna he's gonna fit in where Michael uh, yeah where Michael O'Connor was. Um, hopefully he'll do it well, and hopefully he'll do it quickly because uh, it, it was my opinion on Saturday that we we were really missing that bite in the midfield, and that was what that was what Mickey gave us. Um, and then, uh, yeah, on <laughs> earlier in the week, uh, Liam's brother joined the club, Mr. Scully. Um, and, well, he's, he's not, is he? His, his accent, though, we pointed this out when he was uh, doing some interviews at West Ham. Very, very, very Cockney. And now he's doing interviews when he's at Lincoln. Very, very, very Irish. It's, uh, it's quite funny. but um, It sounds like he's going to be a prospect because it sounds like there's a lot of West Ham fans that are a little bit pissed off that he's left. Yes, sorry, I didn't realise that was my cue. Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> sorry, you, you kind of finished that quite abruptly there, and I, I was uh, I was playing with my pen and looking at some more numbers, looking to disprove something that you said. Um, but, uh, the uh, I, it's 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 that bite in midfield, and I don't think it's a bite we've lacked in the midfield. I think it's um, I think it's the organisation. I think it's the older head. I, I think, to be honest, that, that Joe Morrell and Teo Eden um, were perfectly adept at, at winning the ball, but it's the composure, um, you know, it's the calmness. I, I do wonder a little about the Bridcut signing because, you know, we brought in Connor Coventry, we've got Teo Eden, we've got Joe Morrell, we've got Ellis Chapman. It didn't seem that we needed another central midfielder and you just wonder how much Michael looked at, at Ipswich and Portsmouth matches and thought actually you know I do need I need a a steady older head in there Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see you know if he does play with Joe Morrell you know okay Teo will wait for his opportunity because he's a long-term signing but Connor Coventry it begins to make his signing look a little bit um, a little bit odd and I also wonder if that was anything to do with um, 
with the the number of loan players that we can have in as well. Uh, at, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just wonder if he, if Michael kind of wants to begin to lean towards our own players. But then again, I suppose Liam Bridcott is uh, is on loan. So um, anyway, very confusing indeed. Uh, mm. Obviously, I think with with Akeem Himes, uh, yeah, you know, the club media is always going to make a lot of it now, and I think it would be disrespectful if they signed a player and just kind of went, uh, just tagged his name on the end of a, a, a statement about somebody else going out on loan to Boreham Wood. You know, that would be um, odd. But uh, Charlie, something I believe the keeper's called, isn't he, Charlie? Andrew, or is that one of my dad's of course, friends? Of course, yeah, sorry, yeah. I forgot um, about the keeper. Well, because the thing is, the cl- you know, it was tagged on to the Grant Smith thing, um, and it, it was kind of, it, it slid under the door, and, and, and that was it. Whereas at least with Akeem Himes, even though he's only come in for six months, yeah, the, it was teased out. Um, but, you know, from what I heard, Rotherham fans thought that he was going to be quite a prospect but uh, they've got um, Matic at left back he, you know he's, he's not given Heinz a look in it, it was alleged that, that Heinz had basically or Akeem had basically suggested that he was going to go to Sweden so Rotherham cancelled his contract and he came to us don't know how true that is but that that was what some Rotherham fans were thinking um, and then of course we do we have Anthony Scully and a you know, I did a, a little video on him um, yesterday uh, for for my uh, patrons of the site. And it's an interesting signing. What I would be wary of is expecting results straight away. I think that um, Anthony Scully is another one for the future for next season. Uh, he's mm-hmm. done incredibly well in Premier League 2 for six months. But prior to that, he wasn't that highly rated by West Ham fans because he was playing in midfield. Um, he couldn't get on the ball. Um, and he was just struggling generally. So, um, yeah, it's you know he was coming up to the end of his contract, so it makes sense for him as well to to, to make the move if he progresses at the rate that uh, that we that we were led to believe he might. He could be a big player for us. Um, lots of West Ham fans were pointing out that very rarely do their players leave and then go on to bigger and better things than West Ham. We don't need him to. We only need him to leave and go on to Championship level football. Um, or even top of League One level football. So uh, I'd like to think the pressure's off uh, young Scully. Mm. But we should yeah, always think... keep the pressure on big Scully. <laughs> I think you're right. I think um, those people that are expecting him to um, you know, come in and tear the league up and, and be our first choice striker, I think, he's, uh, I think they're going to be sorely mistaken. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to, I think, like you say, one for the future, one for next season, for for sure. Um, ah, did you th- know that the average British person drinks around 876 cups of tea a year? Now, wow. I've done the maths and I believe I drink around 2,190 cups of tea a year, which <laughs> makes me above average. And it puts me distinctly below average because I don't drink tea. Weirdo. I'm a coffee man. Oh, I see. Basically, yeah. socially acceptable drug addict. That's what you are. Yes, yeah, basically, and if you if you put Irish, uh, you know, if you if you Irish up the coffee a little bit, then it'll uh, it makes you even more so. Anyway, back to football. Yes, back to football. <laughs> keep going. Let's keep it relevant. Um, let's uh, let's move on to Friday then. Um, the first of two quick fire home games. Um, we will try and do a podcast on Sunday, by the way, as well uh, to cover um, Rotherham and MK Dons. So. If we get a chance to, I think we're going away this weekend. So if we get back in time, we'll do one. Um, By yeah, we, we'll, we'll... he means him and his wife, not me and him. Sorry, yes, I should probably clarify that. <laughs> Although you know, it'd be nice to get a nice, nice to get away, Gary. Where you know? are you going? Uh, we're going down to see the in-laws. No, I don't want to come. <laughs> I get on with my in-laws. It's not too bad. Yeah, but I don't know your uh, in-laws, so why would I come? You'd get on with him. Whether I would or wouldn't is irrelevant. I don't want to come I mean, and see they'd probably them. make you about 300 cups of tea. So. No, that would bump the average up. Anyway, Friday night. <laughs> yeah, Friday night. Um, it's going to be a tough one. Um, no doubt about it. Rotherham. Uh, the form's... Well, they've lost one in five, haven't they? Um, one in six, sorry. So it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, they're they're going to come up. They're going to be expecting a, a team that have just been beaten by somebody that haven't won at home all season. Um, we're going to have our heads down. We're going to have, uh, you know, we're going to be sort of possibly wallowing in self-pity a bit. Or they're going to expect and come in and expect us to be ready to fight back. So personally, I 
I'm really struggling to see us take anything out of this game. Um, it's it, even it's though we've, fact- even though we've beaten them twice this season already. Yeah, even though I mean, I think from from what we from what I understand about the the away game, um, I didn't go, but it, it sounded like it was it was a hell of a performance, um, and it was you know I think we weathered the storm a little bit at times, but but managed to um, to nick it. And it's I don't know, I'm just I'm really not I'm not expecting anything, um, and I'm really not. So we'll see. Uh, I know that obviously. Um, they, what was the last few results that they've had? Uh, so where are we? Do you want to cut across to somebody that's got it all written down? Well, I was going to say, you know, 3-1 against Oxford, 3-0 against Bristol Rovers, got beat against Peterborough, 1-0 against Overstreet and 3-2 against Burton. So they're not afraid of scoring, are they? No. Their last five league away games actually paints a slightly different picture to the current form guide. Um, they've won uh, seven in nine. I think going into this game in all competitions, um, but if you actually look at their last five away league league games away from home, lost to, Pe- uh, to Peterborough, beat Oxford and beat Shrewsbury, drew with Southend at Southend. Um, let's not you know lose sight of the fact that Southend are not the whipping boys their league position suggests at the moment, um, and lost to Portsmouth. So they've won two of their last five away in the league if you start throwing cup games in there that 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 changes as well so but there are things that play into our hands here um just to move on i mean i'd I'd rather facetiously dropped in with even though we've beaten them twice and i would mention of course that when we played them in the first game of the season they played a 4-3-3 and they played um michael smith and freddie ladapo on either flank with Vassell through the center which Mm. you know ladapo and smith are not wide men putting smith out wide is is very similar to putting mark stallard out wide um it's it's ineffective and Ladapo as well, he's a player who, he's got 10 goals, but cost £500,000 in the summer. And I still, and I, he'll score tomorrow, he'll score Friday for me saying this, but I still wouldn't thank you for him, personally. Um, when we beat them 3-0 in the EFL Trophy, people will say, oh, well, we've beat them at Sinsel Bank, but it was their kids. In actual fact, they played Smith and Ladapo up top, 19 goals between them all season. So we've had that threat here at Sinsel Bank, and we've dealt with it with our reserve defence, arguably our reserve defence. Now, what really works in our favour is the way that they set up. They play a 4-4-2. They played 4-4-2 when they came to us in the AFL Trophy. They will do the same again. So it means it's pound for pound, man for man, one-on-one all the way through the pitch. There's none of this, you know, certain areas being congested and all that sort of thing. Also, they're going to come and have a go. They're not going to come here and shut up shop. They're top of the league. They need to win games. And for me, that's where... We excel because when teams want to go and win games, they leave gaps. And when they leave gaps, we exploit them. And like you just said, no, Rotherham are not afraid to score a goal, but they're not afraid to concede a few either. And, Mm. you know, we could see something similar to the Ipswich game. I'm not saying this is going to be 5-3, but I think it'll be an open and expansive game of football. And when you start looking, I mean, you you pick apart their team and it, it can get worrying. And I've picked a few players that I really like. Um, I like their full-backs, um, Matic and Olasundi. Olasundi was a Manchester United youngster, both quite energetic, both looking to get forward, both got good players ahead of them. Now, on the left, this is where I think that we could we could struggle because um, they've got a lad called, and I'm sure some player people will already know him, um, Hakim Adalukan. Now, he was at Scunthorpe United, got a move to Bristol City and has come back, I, I don't know, if I can't think if it's permanent or loan to Rotherham. Um, left-sided attacker, bags and bags of skill. He's got pace, he's got tricks, he's got goals in him. Uh, and he's really going to get at Neil Erdley. Now, I'm not in I'm not in the uh, the kick Erdley out camp because when you look at the numbers, he's, he's not actually playing that badly. Distribution wasn't fantastic in a couple of games, but it was really good against South End. And I think that we need some experience in those areas. Um, and if he is getting roasted, have Aaron Lewis on the bench. But Adelukan is a big, big player. Um, expect to be excited down the flanks. But again, if they're getting adventurous and they're looking to double up on our fullback, that's going to leave gaps in behind. And that's Harry Anderson territory all day long. Harry Anderson loves a fullback that wants to get forward, when especially when it's not a three-man defence, because the centre-half, if the centre-half starts dropping out to try and stop any breaks from the likes of um, Anderson, then you've got hopefully space for Hopper and Tyrese to finally gel together. 
Um, another player who didn't start the last game, I don't think, actually. I think he came on as a sub, possibly for Rotherham. Matt Crooks, um, really, really competent midfielder at this level. Uh, and alongside Dan Barley, sir, as well. They've, they've got good midfield, plenty of legs. You know, you're talking mid-20s here. So they're, they're past that age where they're young and, and likely prone to bouts of inconsistency. They're not at an age yet where you think, oh, they're getting on a little bit. Um, and that's why it's... You would hope that if Liam Bridcott has trained well and integrated himself well with the team, Bridcott and Morrell may take on that duo or whatever duo they choose to play in the midfield. Um, but there's no one battle that defines this game. It, it's a battle all over the field, um, directly one-on-one. And I, I just have a feeling, do you know what? Smith and Adapo are both big, bruising centre-forwards. Um, I'd argue Dapo's perhaps got a little bit of pace, but Smith certainly hasn't. You know, and if we do go with the same back four, you can expect Shackle to tuck Smith in nicely. Potentially, that's then Bolger with looking for Ladapo. We've got Ioma who might have the pace. I'm actually not as concerned about this game as I was going to South End because I did feel South End was going to be tough with this one. I don't think there's going to be anything to break down as such. You know what? They're not going to come and try and defend against us. It's um, I think it'll be a decent game. Yeah, I've um, I've got no doubts it'll be a, a good game. I just think it's I'm I'm just a bit concerned and a little bit worried that you know it's it's going to be I, I think it's going to be a difficult one. Um, We're allowed to disagree, Ben. No, hundred percent. It wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't, because that's all we ever seem to do. Yes. Um, and did you know <laughs> that in 1811, nearly a quarter of all women in Britain were named Mary? Oh, wow! I didn't. No, thank you for that. So wow. anyway, Amazing. I think this feature is probably going to die a very, very quick death, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> Whatever gives you that impression, Gary. Know, your reaction. Um, <laughs> so no, I, you know, I don't think, uh, we're kind of touching on a point you made a, a little bit earlier in the podcast about, you know, 15 points clear, Tranmere won't win these games. That sort of complacency has often come back to bite uh specifically in in 86 87 specifically in 2010 11 you know mm. when we were we were in mid table positions at this point of the season and then just completely lost our form so it's vitally important um that we do pick up points as and when we can we've got two home games in a week realistically to come out of these two games with three to four points uh, would be a big win for us um i can see us taking a point at home against rotherham uh, possibly even in something like a two-two, if Hopper and Tyrese can can pull themselves together, and you know that that's really where our main issue is because we have lost so many goals in the transfer window, um, mm. and it's you know creating and taking chances, which is the same problem that we had back in September and October, really. Mm. Yeah, we just got into creating and scoring chances, and the two players that did it, well, that's being generous to John, one of the players that did it um, has left. Mm. You see, John Akindi's been nominated for Player of the Month. Really? Yeah, two goals and two assists split over the two clubs. Wow. So 10 minutes against Bolton has got him nominated for Player of the Month. I think that says more about the quality of League One than anything else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's not scored for Jules uh, yet, has he? No. No. Hmm. And uh, it, it was quite interesting to see some of the um, see some of the feedback coming out of that, saying that you know, oh, his hold up plays what Gillingham needed, and all the rest of it. But you just know he's going to score when he comes at the end of the month. Um, Sadly, just... you know he's going to get booed. I won't boo yeah. him; it's not for me. But you know it's going to happen. Yeah, I know. And uh, I imagine it will be partly from the the gentleman in front of or that sits behind me. But it'll happen. It'll it's. You know, inevitable. But there we go. Um, right, shall we? Uh, shall we move on to some questions from people that have uh, chucked them at you on Twitter? Then, indeed. Have you? You've oh. got them, haven't you? That wasn't going to be another awkward pause, or I was expected to do something. <laughs> um, I've got a couple. Good. Uh, where are we? I know I've got so. one which came across as three, so that's exciting. Okay, right. So um, we've got, uh, Jake has asked, if you had to start a football manager, say, with any club in the world football, but it couldn't be Lincoln, who would you choose? Now, I actually had a go-to football manager club 
whenever I used to play when I was younger and I always chose them because I liked the blend of colors on the before it was before you could watch the game it was always just text wasn't it yeah uh, yeah and so I always always picked Crystal Palace because it was red and blue okay so if I had to start a new save now uh I'm I'm not really sure to be honest I'd probably go Dundee United okay um I would I don't know I'd probably start with a, a you know championship side that's neither here nor there try and get into the Premier League and and do it that way because there's just something about like you know taking a Lincoln City team and, and seeing how far you can get with them I mean usually for me it just ends up with getting knocked out in the uh, in the championship playoff final on the 95th minute and swearing and waking all your housemates up and sorry i'm having flashbacks to when i was at university yeah you see i never um, i never did that because if it came to a crucial game i just went to the old ad manager button and that was it you were promoted after that game weren't you <laughs> <laughs> oh dear i thought you were going to say that you save scummed it no do you know what i actually did once um and and dave adams my mate doesn't listen to this but i know people who know him well and um, dave used to come over and we used to play uh, championship managers together on the PC for or football manager. I can't remember which one it was for hours and hours and hours on end, but he didn't know that I'd got the safe data editor installed. So, <laughs> so he would come round and he would buy all these players in. And when he had gone, I would just go in. And it's like, Oh no, he's too good. I drop him down. And uh, I want, I kind of, there was a bit of me one. I'm getting looks from across the room from fee at the minute. Dave knows about it. It's all right. Um, and one time he bought, uh, he was, I can't remember who he was, but he brought Graham Glockland, who's the Mansfield manager now. And he bought him when he was in his mid twenties, uh, at, uh, from Blackburn, I think. And Dave went in the morning, went home at night. And when he came around the next day, Graham Glockland had aged 21 years overnight and had ruptured his cruciate ligament and was out for two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> and he still didn't twig. He was like, I'm sure he was younger than that yesterday. So like, them's the breaks, Dave. <laughs> Wow, that's incredible! And he still remind reminds me you. to never play any games with you ever. Well, you can't, you can't. I, I, I wouldn't do anything like that now. But um, <laughs> is that after you got banned on FIFA? Yeah, yeah. All right, carry on. Next question. <laughs> uh, where are we? Next question. Um, who do you think, if any, out of contract will be offered a new deal? See, that's it's, it's an interesting question, and there are far less answers than there were a month and a half ago. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see Bozzy being offered a new deal. I would really hope so. I think it's obvious how much we miss him when he's not in. Um, yeah. I can't see Jason Shackle being offered one. Uh, I would put a question mark at the moment over Josh Vickers. Oh, interesting. Um, just um, not because I put a question mark over him, in as in my opinion of him, uh, as in. Uh, I'm not sure that I think Michael Appleton will want to go in a different direction. It wouldn't surprise me, let's say, if Michael Appleton wants to go in a different direction. Okay. Um, Grant Smith obviously looks like he's on his way. Anybody who's who's loaned out, Ben Coker, gone, Tom Pett, gone, Lee Frecklington, gone. Um, so potentially, Bozzy, uh, Ellis, I would like to think Ellis, but again, he's not getting the game time at the minute. Nor a loan deal, interestingly enough. That I found really interesting that Alice didn't go out on loan as well as, mm. as not getting football. So, yeah. You? Um, I, I think it's got to be Bozzy um, for me. I think he's, like you say, it, it's, become, it's becoming painfully obvious when he's not in the team that we, we struggle without him. Um, and from what I understand... Um, Bozzy is very much on the page of wanting to stay at the club. I think from what I've heard, he, he loves it there and he, he really wants to stay and be a part of the club, even if it's not necessarily in a playing capacity going forward. But no, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's um, he's he's very much on the same page as everybody in the uh, in the dressing room. And I think he wants to, similar to, you know, what Michael O'Connor said before he ironically left, I think he wants to finish his career here and, and move into whatever he can to help the club. Because he, you know, again, my understanding from what people have told me that are close to the club is that he absolutely loves it. So um, I'd, I'd love to see Bozzy sign a new deal. Um, as for the others, same as you, I'd like to see Ellis stick around. Um, I know that he's... It, Hopefully he's in that same, you know, he's in that little vein that Michael likes in terms of 
the, the young players that he can bring through and, and sell on. Um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me to see some bids come in in the summer for him. Um, or you know, if if we do if we do sort of toy with the idea of a new contract, because is his contract up in the summer? Don't know. Thought so. Okay. There we go. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one. Um, Right, let's have a look at other questions. Uh, Chris asks, what is the right balance of youth and experience? Whichever one wins games. <laughs> there isn't There isn't a right balance. It is all dependent on players and individuals and styles. Yeah, you, you can't, I don't think you can say five young players and six experience or experienced centre-back uh, and, and, and young full-backs. Um, you know, in an ideal world for me, if you're going to have a young centre-back, you have an experienced player alongside them. Um, if you're going to have a young midfield, you're going to, you know, you want, you want one of each. Um, fullback, it doesn't particularly matter because it's about the energy. Same with wingers. But, you know, you, I think you need an experienced keeper, an experienced centre-back, an experienced central midfielder as a, as a bare minimum. Um, mm-hmm. just it gives you that spine and by experienced I'm not necessarily talking about 30 year olds you know you can be 23 24 25 and be experienced enough um, mm. I don't subscribe to the the adage you don't win anything with kids um, we're not looking to win anything but you know if your young players are good enough South proved it on Saturday they won mm. a game 2-1 and um, you know as it, it was young players and you looked yeah. at um I mean, I'm not. It's crass to start talking about Man United and things like that. But Crew, Rochdale, you know, always bringing young players through, always integrating them into their first team. Okay, they're not mm-hmm. massively successful clubs, but Rochdale have stayed in this division now for several years when they're punching well above their weight. So, mm. yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. I think I think you're probably right in that that there's no there's no kind of right answer. I think if we came out on uh, Friday night with a team that were exclusively under 20, you'd probably look at that and scratch your head a bit and go, hmm, no. Um, but then by the same token, I think if you were looking at, um, if you're looking at a team that was into their thirties, you'd think the same thing. So it is, it's like I said, whichever team wins games is, is the best one. Um, right. Uh, where are we? Uh, we've got a couple of um Somewhat silly questions, so we'll do them all in a block. But Valerie asks, uh, who has asked since we've started recording, uh, who would you like to see sign for Lincoln in the summer transfer window? Very, very hard to answer that, Val, because you just can't guess with Mike Clapperton. With Danny, you kind of knew. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't particularly hard to pick who we might go for. And, you know, who called George Grant this summer, Tyler Walker this mm. summer? I called Tom Pett before he signed. I called um, Bruno Andrade before he signed Harry Anderson okay he'd been in on loan but do you know what I mean he, he went back to players he knew you could look through players histories and go oh he's been on loan at Braintree we'll probably go for him um, with Michael it's completely different there's no rhyme or reason you know I didn't see any clear connection with West Ham but we've been in, we've been dipping in there and picking up their players we expected to see players come in from some places where we thought he had contacts like West Brom and Leicester and um, Man United and that didn't happen uh, yeah, in a perfect world, who would I like to see a sign? I'd quite like the look of the boy Elvis Buomo for Southend. Could certainly mm. do with with him coming in at the back. Um, I think you know, centre forwards. You certainly have to think that we've got to be looking at bringing in a new uh, centre forward that's ours. I don't think Tom Hopper's ever going to be prolific, so you know you've got to be looking at replacing twenty goals a season. But you don't buy that. You bring them in on loan. Hopefully, Forest go up and they decide to loan Tyler Walker back out and uh, and and farm him back over to us. But um, I think we we get to the summer and we await surprises because that's one thing that Michael does. He both surprises us and massively underwhelms us at the same time. And you know how many people were left scratching their head when you know who's Zach Elbazedi or you know why mm. why are we going in for. Tom Hopper, do you know people will be doing that? And then all of a sudden, boom, there's Liam Bridcott, who's played Premier League football and, and been worth millions of pounds. It's like, okay, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah I, again, there's no there's no one name at the minute that's jumping out at me um, to say, you know, a realistic target that we could possibly sign. Um, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um Keith asks, uh, what does Ben think of the current striker crisis at his favourite club, Man United? Or if not that one, uh, FIFA 20, any good? Um, 
bollocks, Keith, I think is the first answer. Um, uh, I don't know. I, 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 do they have a striker crisis? I'm, I'm sure Pete will probably tell me when I'm at the, at the game next. Um, and FIFA 20, Gary, any good? I know I kind of accidentally got you hooked onto it again. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> um, right, where are we then? Kev says, um, I doubt Bridcut's coming to sit on the bench and we'll play alongside Morel in the middle. So where does that leave Eden? One for the future, perhaps, and more importantly, Coventry in the pecking order. Something that you touched on, isn't it, about the, the central midfield role? Um, yeah, and where does where does it leave you in the on? Well, where does it leave the players on that ladder? The only one I'd be concerned about is probably Connor. Um, and when I say I'd be concerned about, I mean you know, if I was him, I'd be looking at that, thinking, you know, I've been rotating with Teo, and um, and now Liam's going to come in. Joe Morell's always going to play. You would imagine Liam Bridcut's going to play, unless there's a change of tactics coming up. It really does leave Connor at a bit of a loss. Ellis is a long way down the pecking order, but he's our own player. And you would like to to think that there's still a future there. Teo is our own player. He's on a long-term contract. I know the club um, think really, really highly of him and the potential that he has in the future. But right now, we still need to get points on the board to stave off the threat of League Two football next season. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't subscribe to the train of thought that we're in a relegation battle, but we're not safe at the moment. So, yeah, I think um, you play the experienced midfield of Bridcut and uh, and, and Morel in the games that demand it. Um, mm-hmm. But then we've also, you know, depending on Bridcut's fitness situation, we've got the legs of Teo and Connor to rotate in there when need be. Yeah, absolutely. And let's, I just want to highlight, actually, let's not forget Jack Payne, who I thought came on on Saturday and the fact that he got man of the match despite being on the field for 11 minutes um, said it all. Yeah, I thought he's he not had a central midfielder then. No. Well, he's, no yes, way. I know. Yeah. But I'm just saying, in terms of, in terms of the players that, that can play there, because he can play central midfield, and we've discussed this that on FIFA he is a midfielder. But he hasn't played midfield uh, for us, has he? He plays in the number 10. He's not played for ages. He plays the number. So. He played on Saturday. You just said he came on. Sort yourself out. You're going to pieces, man. You're losing it. Oh, you fucking bastard! Picking on one little thing, <laughs> needling away at it. I don't know. Anyway, right. Um, yes, I thought Jack Payne had a great game when he came on. Yes. He's not a winger either, is he? No, he's absolutely not a winger. We'll agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Um, Right, so let's move into uh, some of the more out there questions. Uh, starting off with Derek, says, strangest goal celebration that uh, either of you guys have seen after a Newcastle fan with his knob out last night. What? Have you not seen this? No, what? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I think um, I think Jack retweeted it, uh, Jack Mulhall retweeted it, where um, when they celebrated their goal... Um, I think it was the winner, a Newcastle fan started celebrating and uh, whipped his chap out. Um, and the, the TV cameras were very, very, very quick to uh, to pan away. Um, but yeah, that, that was a thing that happened. Um, so yeah, weirdest goal celebration. Uh, there was one back, I think it was in the days of Phil Stant, where uh, where all the boys kind of got down and pretended they were rowing like they were rowing for Oxford or Cambridge. That was yes, it was the oops, yeah that one that's upside, upside, your, upside head, your head. Right? Yeah. yeah, that that's probably mine as well. I think it was uh, yeah that was that was absolutely bizarre. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Well, while you do that, let me tell you that Britain is the only country in the world which doesn't have its name on its stamps. <laughs> That's because it's the Queen's head. Everyone knows that. Oh, dear. Um, where are we? No, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Um, right, what's the next question? Um, Colin says, uh, if animals could talk, what would be the rudest? Um, my dog would be pretty rude. Yeah. I reckon. Um, if he means breed of animal, which breed of animal, it'd have to be cats, wouldn't it? Because they're snobby little buggers. See, I'd uh, I'd say giraffes because they're always looking down at you. Uh, move on swiftly. Anyway, um, sorry, that was awful. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, if Michael Appleton was a type of biscuit, what type of biscuit would he be, and why? Apple crunch. I don't know. Is that a biscuit? <laughs> Probably not. I don't, I'm trying um, to think. I, I I'll be honest. I I'm not a. I am a big biscuit connoisseur, but I very, very rarely, rarely try and equate them to real life people. Um, uh, 
I'd, I'd probably say he's he's got to be a chocolate hobnob because you you know you can put them through anything and he'll come out of it at the other end. Because Michael looks like the kind of guy that go in and you know have a good go at it. Good go. You wouldn't what? want to mess with him either. You know, at any situation, like if if someone had a go at him, you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to. You know, I personally wouldn't want to have a go at him because he's built like a brick shit house. I just think he'd be a biscuit that's really hard to bite into. So in that case, he'd be the type of biscuit that I used to cook in home economics, and then when it came out <laughs> of the oven, the teacher would just look at them, shake her head, and go, "Oh, Gary," because you <laughs> couldn't get them broken with a chisel. That's the type of biscuit he would be. Yeah, oh, I'd go with that. Um, Danny Nez says favourite crisp sandwich flavour crisp sandwiches are rancid not for me oh what yeah not for me that oh. mixture of textures a crisp is a beautiful thing on its own there is absolutely no need to stick it between bland bread it's just not a thing Gary you've Should... got issues mate no I, I haven't got issues I've got bags of crisps that I don't put in bread <laughs> I'm going to have to say and this is going to this is going to annoy you with your blandness uh, response to it is uh, I think for me it's just got to be ready salted I think that says everything about you Ben thank you I appreciate that I suppose it'd just be normal white <laughs> bread as well none of this half and half or pumpkin seeded or anything it'd be white no, I mean, co-op owned brand bread oh, I've got to stay on brand you know that yeah, of course for those of you yeah. that don't know yes that might be where I work anyway um, um, finally a uh, question from Andrew who says or Andy says, uh, would you rather fight 10 duck-sized Matt Reeds or one Matt Reed-sized duck? That's a great question. Um, and we probably should have opened the podcast with that. Um, <laughs> and funnily enough, actually, in Matt Reed news, I've seen a news article today where the Kettering manager, uh, surprise, surprise, Paul Cox, has said that he's desperately trying to sign Matt Reed, but at the moment Matt has um, football league options available to him. So, oh, interesting. Very interesting. Uh, 10 Matt Reed-sized ducks or one duck-sized Matt Reed or the vice versa, isn't it? Yeah. Ten, yeah, 10 duck-sized Matt Reeds. Yeah. Okay. I would probably rather fight the one Matt Reed-sized duck, mainly because, you know, like du- yeah. when, you get, um, when you get swarmed by about 10 kids. Yeah collectively that's quite powerful and a duck wouldn't be able to punch you and imagine if you beat it the amount of hoisin sauce you would need delivered to your house would be incredible <laughs> i mean i've got so we never seem to run out of wraps in the fridge so much so that last night we even put monday's leftovers in wraps and sprinkled cheese on the top for dinner but i tell you something that would definitely test the wrappage that we have um yeah i think i'd probably go with the uh the one duck as well because although like if you imagine like a human-sized duck has got a bill that's probably about the size of you know an an average keyboard or something it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting to you know try and get around it whereas as you say 10 10 mini reedies can you imagine like they'd they'd be vicious the ducks are quite big as well yeah yeah, that's true, actually. Like 10, yeah, like it'd probably what, come up to about your knee? Can you yeah. imagine 10, 10 things about the size, or 10 reedies about the size of your knee running at you and trying I, to attack you? Hang on, ducks don't come up to your knees. Well, it depends how tall you are. Well, you, well, given how tall we are, if a duck comes up to your knee, Jesus. <laughs> how, short, its, how short are you if it stands on what <laughs> on its tip if it's, web if it stands on its le- you know, if it stands and like looks up i'm not, you know i'm thinking in terms of like length and everything if it, if it looks up you know, i'm taking into account from the very tip to the very top of its bill <laughs> so if you stand it on its tail right, <laughs> then it's going to reach up to your well, knee it says it says duck sized it doesn't say duck height Okay, okay, so what you're saying is that Matt Reed, from if his toes were where the tail was and the top of his head was where the duck's bill was? Yes. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank God for that. I was trying to scramble in there. Yeah, I, you <laughs> I just feel I've been a bit cruel to you this podcast and I didn't, I didn't want to mercilessly continue. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'd, 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 take, uh, I'd take one because, as, as you say, getting swarmed would be, that'd be horrendous. Um, oh, right. I've just uh, seen that Newcastle thing. Yes, I know you there don't you see go. his penis, I, but that man should be locked up. That's exposure. That's a, that's, that's yeah. a prison sentence. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, so, uh, I think that's everything in terms of football and nonsense that we're going to have a chat about this week. Um, anything that we need to plug? I know we've got at least one thing from somebody else. 
Yeah, I've got nothing. Okay. Um, first one is from Dean. Um, Dean Wagstaff is, is obviously doing the uh, the Great North Run. Um, go and sponsor him, give him some money, and you might be in with a chance of getting the print of the Lancaster from when it flew over um, against MK Dons. Um, that draw is later on in the month, so get on that now. Um, he's asked us to do a final plug this week, so yes, here it is. Go and get that sorted. Um, to yeah, another another couple of things. Uh, first one, um, it's more of a bit of a selfish thank you, really. I uh, just want to say a big thank you to uh, to Chris Keneally. He's he's sorted us out. He's helping us out with our. Uh, issue in our whole way of getting our cat to stop pissing all over the floor and he's relaying some floor down there for us and he's a top bloke thank you chris it's very much appreciated um and the third one is that i'm doing the 24-hour uh gaming marathon again this year and we've got well we're currently in the process of getting loads of stuff to give away um for anyone that chucks in over a fiver so uh we'll put links to everything in the podcast description and uh, i'm sure gary will be so kind as to put it in the blog post as well Hopefully. Yeah. There you go. You see, beautiful stuff. Um, but yes, unless that's anything, uh, I think we can say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I will put that. I was just actually flicking through my phone because Paul Stalibras asked a question, but we've basically answered it. So. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, that'll do. Thank you as ever for joining us. Um, like, and subscribe and all that stuff. Uh, tell your mates. We, we're actually, we're, we're seeing some steady growth at the minute, and I don't mean that Newcastle fans chap. Um, oh, and just before we go, throughout the life of an average, of an average Briton, they will spend around £66,732 on alcohol. Or more if you're in the 617. Anyway, that's probably a good spot to leave it. So, uh, yeah. Bye. Cool. We'll see you guys <laughs> next week. Take care. Bye. around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.